Hey everybody, welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Pastor Brian, joined today in the studio by Pastor Ross and and then Pastor John Bellis. John, thanks for joining us today because we're going to talk today about spiritual warfare. In fact, today is lesson one. The next five Fridays, we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare starting today. And and today we want to kind of talk about it from 30,000 feet. Because let, let me just, let's start with this question. Do you guys think how do you think most Christians would answer this question? Have you ever engaged in spiritual warfare? How many people do you think would raise their hand if we asked that question to church? Well, I don't know. A lot of some people would get what we're get what we're getting at. The Bible would understand, but most people are probably thinking about um, the Exorcist, right? You know, and some of the movies that have the you know demonic activity or whatever. Yeah, like and, I've never talked to a demon. I've never had yeah. to cast out a demon before. Right. right. Yeah. So. They would, might say no on that basis. Yeah. yeah, I think this is one of those areas in our, our spiritual journey mm-hmm. where we tend to swing really far one side or the other. You know, either we don't, we don't really think about the spiritual realm at all, we, we don't recognize the battle that's going around, or kind of the old saying, there's a demon behind every corner. You know, so mm-hmm. where, where do we fall in that, and what does the Bible say about that? Yeah, I think we could have, we, this series will be interesting because depending on where what perspective you take you know you you might you might be really excited about this series because you've been waiting for your church to do a series on spiritual warfare it's about time we get to the to the meat right and then probably some other people are like what are we what kind of church am i going to right now right yeah. and the, you know the truth is spiritual warfare involves both regular everyday stuff on the one hand but it also involves the creepy otherworldly stuff. And we're going to introduce a sort of the theme passage for this entire series. It kind of is going to give us the framework for where we're going over these next few weeks. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And I'm, I'm going to read it in the ESV. And here's what it says there. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. And you were dead in, your tr- in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so what we can pull out of that passage are these these three concepts that uh, that have been around in the church for a long time, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the first two things are probably more in the category of regular everyday stuff, the world and the flesh. We're going to define all those here today. But then it also talks about the prince of the power of the air. It also talks about the devil. And spiritual warfare involves all three of these things. Ross, why don't we start with the world. What does it mean when it says that we are following the course of this world? Yeah, first of all, it doesn't mean it's not talking about the physical earth, the globe that we're that we're living on. And so it's really the word itself talks more about a system of um, it's got a course. It says the course of this world. There's a, there's a sense, there's a direction that the world takes. So a lot of people have defined it as the the world system as being all of the total conglomeration of all human endeavor, human ideas, human activities, apart from God. 
So it's all of the human race that is not in, uh, that doesn't bow the knee to, to, to God or recognize Jesus as Lord, and it's everything that humans have tried to do and put together on their own in rebellion against God ever since, you know, the Garden of Eden. And so for today, that would include then, among other things, that would include secular culture, secular ideology, you know, maybe what our kids are being exposed to when we send them to school. This is part of spiritual warfare. John, what do you say to that? Yeah, I think there is a natural current of the world, and that current flows away from the things of God. And so the default, if we do nothing, if we don't combat that in some way, is we're going to find ourselves flowing further from God. So think about this from this perspective, John. I know you, you still have kids in in grade, in school in school age. What, your youngest is grade school still? No, she is. Jun- yeah, jun- she'll be in sixth grade this sixth, fall. Sixth grade. You've got a junior higher still. You've got a high schooler still, and even college-age kids. So your kids, this is good for parents to realize, your kids are engaged in spiritual warfare when they go to school. And I would say probably even if they go to a Christian school, certainly if they go to a secular school, but even if they go to a Christian school, your kids are engaged in spiritual warfare. Your kids are engaged in spiritual warfare when they get on TikTok or on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever, right? So spiritual warfare is is around us all the time. It's actually a regular part of our life, even though it might not look like angels and demons and stuff. Yeah, and, and as parents, my wife and I are involved in spiritual warfare at the same time as our kids go off to school. Like, we, you know, we need to be praying for yeah, our kids. We need right. to be lifting them up. Uh, because, again, the current of the world, the current of, of academia, of entertainment, of politics is all contrary to God if, if we don't do something about it. Okay, so that's the first thing, the world. Now, we're going to just stop there because we're going to talk more about this in week two. So week two is, is going to be all about the world, what it means that, that we battle with the world, that there's this battle that Christians have with the secular world. The second thing in Ephesians 2 talks about the flesh. What do we mean when we say the flesh is kind of a, kind of a little bit of an old school churchy word? Ross, what does flesh mean? Well, right here in the text in Ephesians chapter 2, it helps us define the flesh because it talks about the passions of our flesh. And so there's certain urges or desires that are associated with it. Again, like with the world, it's not talking about just the physical aspect. It's not talking about just our physical bodies. But there's something, it's, it's talking about something that really is deeper, that, that has these desires that push us away from God. It talks in, in the verse about the desires of the body and the mind, and so there's both those elements involved, some of it's physical, some of it's mental. And so I, I'd say it's the, the pull. We talked about how the world is like the pull of culture and human endeavor away from God. The flesh is like the pull that I feel within my own self away from God, within the the old person that I used to be and the vestiges of that still alive and at work, pulling me internally away from God. Yeah, Paul talks about this in Galatians also. He talks about this battle between the spirit in us and then the the flesh, or the, he, he, in some translations it calls up, it calls it the, the, uh, the old nature, the sinful nature. And he talks, he gives us this list like sexual immorality and impurity and lustful pleasures. Now, so the, again, those are, those are part, those would be categorized, you would normally categorize those as ordinary, everyday kinds of things. But Paul's basically saying, no, this is actually spiritual warfare. 
that when you are tempted, when you are sexually tempted, you're engaging in spiritual warfare. It's not just a bodily fight that you're mm-hmm. fighting. It's an otherworldly fight. It's a spiritual battle. It's not just a physical battle. And it's interesting in his list, the next two things are idolatry and sorcery, which some people might say, yeah, that does sound more spiritual. But then he gets back to regular, ordinary stuff, hostility and quarreling and jealousy and that sort of thing. So we see that in Paul's thought, and of course, Paul's the one who wrote Ephesians, just like he wrote Galatians. In Paul's thought, he's taught, he, he recognizes that there's a spiritual component to our everyday battles. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about this, thinking about the way that Christians have waged the spiritual battle over the years is that um, one of the impulses is to like try to get away from the world, to try to go live in a commune or go live in a monastery or out in the middle of the desert or something like that. And so I may be able to buffer my existence from the effects of the world, the world system around me, but wherever I go, I'm taking this with me. I'm taking the flesh with me. No matter if I live by myself in the middle of the desert, I still have this dimension of spiritual warfare to cope with. Yeah, so the first thing was the world, and that's kind of out there, right? We can say, that's out there, but I can escape the world. But you're right, the second, the second arena for spiritual warfare is, is in here. It's in us, right? Mm-hmm. It's, we, can't, we can't blame anyone else. This is in us. This is part of just the battle that we have to fight, and everyone fights it. All the time, I would say probably every day, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's this third thing. So, so Paul says the world, the flesh, and then the third thing is the devil. Or he says in the ESV, the prince of the power of the air. And so this is now where we'll get into kind of some of the weird stuff, some of the possibly creepy stuff. And even in that, though, even in the everyday stuff, I remember I was a newlywed. I only been married a couple of months, and my wife and I went to a, a marriage conference. And the whole first night session was, your spouse is not the enemy. And I remember thinking, this is so silly. I know my spouse isn't the enemy, right? I was a newlywed. I didn't even think she was the enemy. But I've come to realize over the last 27 years of marriage, there is an enemy. There is someone who is, is opposed hmm to a healthy marriage, to a healthy relationship between my wife and I, and that's the devil. Mm-hmm. So we have all three of these at play. You know, the, the world tells us certain things about what marriage should be, and then my own selfish flesh is definitely an enemy to my marriage at times, and then the devil himself would love nothing more than to wreck my marriage. Ross, is there, <clears throat> is that, is that, isn't that just like a cartoon thing? Is the devil real? Right? <laughs> yeah. No, the devil's real. The cartoon devil might not be very real, but... <laughs> Um, the, there is a real devil, and Paul talks about the prince of the power of the air. That means he has some authority, he has some power and some ability to have influence. He's at work in the sons of disobedience. Uh, namely, that it means he's at work among people who aren't um, loyal to Jesus. So he's working in the world, and he uses the world system. I think he uses, he interacts with our, with our flesh to try to you know, ruin what God wants to do in our life. But the Bible clearly, consistently describes that he is real. Now, I think we're going to talk about later in this session that he's not equally powerful to God. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing to keep in mind, but he is real. Yeah, and we'll talk more about the devil in week four. So week two, we're going to talk about the world, spiritual warfare with the world. Week three, we'll talk about spiritual warfare with our flesh. And week four, we'll talk about Satan and angels and demons and some of the some of the creepy stuff, like you said, John, that isn't 
isn't just out there, right? The enemy is is actively trying to destroy our everyday lives. He's trying to destroy our marriages. He's trying to destroy our personal lives. He's trying to destroy our sex lives. He's trying he's he's trying to kill, steal and destroy as Jesus said. But Jesus said, "I want to come. I'm I've come so that you might have life and have it to the full." And so spiritual warfare is something that we engage with at all these different levels, the everyday stuff and the otherworldly stuff. And so let's talk about this next thing, because I think we're going to come back to this next statement again and again throughout this series. And it's a principle that people need to write down. It might even be the kind of the first principle of spiritual warfare. And it's that spiritual warfare uses footholds to establish strongholds. If you've read any books on spiritual warfare, you've probably read the word stronghold. And we're going to define both of these things first, but let's start with just an Oxford definition of a foothold. A foothold is a secure position from which further progress may be made. So the enemy, Satan, wants to establish footholds in our life. He wants to he wants to get another way to think of this is like a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. He wants to get a foot in the door so he can push the door wide open. Yeah, I, as I think of footholds and strongholds, I I look at foothold as an offensive position. A foothold is about advancing the attack, it's about moving forward. And when we allow the enemy to do that, then eventually he will create a stronghold. And now when he's created a stronghold, the, the impetus is on us to have to gain that ground back. Uh, and then there's also, you know, there's a, a correlation to what godly footholds in our lives can do and how those can create a godly stronghold where we have, we have reinforcements, you know, we have a protected, uh, protected advantage. And we'll talk about more of that when you get into the definition of a stronghold. Yeah, sure. let's look at that. The Oxford definition of a stronghold is a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. So a, a foothold is, is about getting your foot in the door so that you can push forward and be offensive. A stronghold is when you've fortified, you've put up your walls, you've put up your gates, and nobody's going to be able to come in. So it's about being defensive. And that's what the enemy wants to do is he wants to create a stronghold where he's got, he's got gates all around and you're on the inside. You're on the inside of his mm-hmm. stronghold. Right? I, I think that back to your analogy, John, about marriage, I think that's a helpful may, maybe way to illustrate the relationship between these two. The Ephesians chapter 4 talks, it says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And so if, if I'm in my marriage, if we, we're angry at each other and, and I'm not forgiving and, and I don't deal with that anger and relent, then that creates, he says, a foothold. Well, that makes sense. I've just created some space in my marriage relationship for you know uh, uh, this something that's not healthy to enter into for the enemy to use that. And if I don't deal with that, and then that, that foothold, it can create distance between us, right? It, the, the enemy's going to try to use that to, to create grievance and to create hostility between a husband and a wife. And over time, if, that, if I allow him to continue to do that, I don't go seek forgiveness or I don't seek reconciliation, then after a while there's these huge walls that are up and it becomes harder and harder to, to figure out how, what to do about that and easier and easier for every new resentment and every new thing to be added to the walls. And so that becomes then a stronghold where I have to really take a lot of energy and effort and maybe uh, super uh, really go after 
some extreme means to try to break through that, or people just end up giving up. Yeah, and then, you know, Brian mentioned I've got kids going off to school here in a couple of weeks again. Just the idea of, I know the enemy is going to be trying to take ground when they're away. So it's important that my wife and I have helped them develop strongholds to withstand those attacks, mm -hmm. right? Positive that, strongholds, that they can yeah. recognize, wait, that's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy, I, and I recognize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Scripture says guard your guard your heart. It talks about guarding. It doesn't say to follow your heart. It talks about guarding your heart. So it's it's mm -hmm. saying put up a put up a, a, a you know take a defensive position and guard your heart against against the outside influences that are trying to get their foot in the door mm -hmm. and trying to really establish a stronghold in your own life. And and again, I, I don't want people to be like freaked out about this. These principles of footholds and strongholds work in both ways, right? So it works, the enemy works like this, but so does, so does God. And that's what we're going to be talking about throughout this series is how do I establish, how do I, what are the footholds that I need to allow into my life, godly footholds, so that they can turn into godly strongholds, which would equate to spiritual victory. And mm -hmm. Not just for me, not just for my spouse and my marriage, but for my kids as well. And we're going to talk in week five about the spiritual armor. Our final week in this series is we're going to talk all about the spiritual armor, the armor of God that we see in Scripture and how all of that fits into this picture, how we can really establish those, those godly footholds and we see how they turn into strongholds. And, and Paul uses this imagery of this Roman soldier and how he's arming himself, which is great imagery. And it really is. It's, it's spiritual warfare, and we need to be ready to fight it. Here's the next thing I think it's important for us to understand. Again, this, this is going to be weaved throughout this entire series, is that spiritual warfare is a battle that's waged most often in our minds. Uh, so a lot of people think, okay, wait, spiritual warfare is this otherworldly thing, and the battleground for spiritual warfare is in this sort of unseen spiritual realm. And I guess maybe there's some truth to that. There's certainly yeah. a spiritual realm. We'll talk about that in week four. But really, the way it feels, the way we'll interact with it more than anything else, the way the enemy and also how God wants to establish footholds, is through our thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's in our minds. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about it like this. Paul writes, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So look what he says. He says, look, there's human reasoning and false arguments. So we see that those are battles that are fought in our mind, our thoughts, our thought life. And he says in verse 5, We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I love the imagery that Paul has mm -hmm. here, this battle imagery. Yeah, it's like there's a number of elements to it. He talks about capturing our thoughts, you know, like you're a sentry. And uh, like, who goes there? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that thought um, entrance or not, you know. Um, and 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 so much of it is is how we interact with the world around us. The world is always pitching us, right, with ideas. So much of it is ideas that this is real, this is true, this matters, this is who you are, this is who God is. And, and we and like you said, John, with your kids, you know, we're gonna accept that or reject that. Um, 
but we're going to make a decision about what we believe in and what we hold is to, to be true. Same thing with what hap- comes from within. You know, your thought's going to go like, oh, I, I want that. You know, the temptation, oh, I want that. That would be good for me. Um, you know, and so maybe it, it isn't good for you. And so th- there's a lie that you're buying into. And, and even with the devil, um, even though there, there is that otherworldly realm and there is <clears throat> some manifestations of demonic power that we're going to explore in, in uh, week four, there's also um, the enemy is called the father of lies. And, and he's scheming against us, the Bible says. So it really does come down to how we think about what's true. Yeah, and let's not equate the battle being in the mind with it being passive. I mean, look at mm-hmm. look at the strength and the force of the words. I think you just mentioned that he uses in here. He talks about knocking down strongholds, destroying false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle. We capture thoughts. We teach them to obey Christ. So just because it's primarily a battle of the mind, there's still a lot of action, mm-hmm. a lot of action words there. Yeah, so again, I, just as you're listening at home, I encourage you to think about this in your own life. Maybe, maybe you had a different understanding of what we'd be talking about when we're talking about spiritual warfare. But I want you to just take, maybe take a little survey of what your thoughts were this week or maybe even earlier today and how maybe some of those thoughts, you didn't think of it as spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle, but maybe, maybe there were some, some insecurities that came up, that creeped up in your mind, that was spiritual, that's spiritual warfare, right? If you're, if you're giving way to some of those insecurities or acting out on those insecurities in your relationship. So again, this is how spiritual it starts. It's that foothold that starts in your mind. But then we all know people who, because of their insecurity, they hurt people. They end up acting Mm -hmm. out in relationship with people. Mm -hmm. Again, you would say, well, that's a relational problem. This person is bad at relationships. They have bad EQ, but, but maybe it could be traced back to that, that battle in their mind that they lost. Mm -hmm. And now they're acting, the enemy has gotten that foothold in his life, and pretty soon the stronghold looks like isolation now, because they don't have good relationships anymore, or divorce, or whatever else in their life. Or maybe how about fears, or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, anxiety that people might have. You know, those are some of those, some of those anxieties that you struggle with. Maybe it's not just um, an anxiety, like something you need to take medication for, I'm not against medication, but maybe... Maybe there's a spiritual element to that anxiety mm-hmm. that you need to be be made aware of now so that you can fight it. Yeah, well, where th- did the... Oh, sorry, no, go ahead. No, I was going to... Along those same lines, Brian, I, I was looking at the idea of memory and how memory is a, a thought process, right? But how powerful it is and how formative certain memories can be in terms of how we... Whether we're going to live a full life that, that God promises or, or we're not. And so that's another area of, of, of battle. And we see it that it is battle, it's not just a circumstance that happened to me. Um, how I respond to it, then in my mind and in my, my thoughts, then I take up the battle and say, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to passively accept whatever happened in my memory. Yeah, and even those, those thoughts you mentioned, Brian, where, where do they come from? Mm-hmm. You know, those thoughts, yeah. were they directly planted in our head by a, a spiritual force, mm-hmm. by the devil or a demon, or... Or is it just because that's what the world says, so everything we see around us? Or was it something in my own sinful nature? So again, we see those three areas, mm-hmm. the world, mm-hmm. the flesh, and the devil, mm-hmm. that's, that's really initiating a lot of those thoughts that we have in our head. Yeah, but the battlefield is the mind. And we, we, you know, a couple of things we want people to really 
get ingrained in their heads throughout this series is the battlefield is in the mind. And, and to me, I think that there's some good news there because the what we're trying to do is we're trying to demystify spiritual warfare. We're trying to help people to understand that this is something we all engage in. It doesn't matter what kind of church you go to. Maybe you go to a church that's really into this kind of stuff. Maybe you go to a church that's not into this kind of stuff or would be hesitant to encourage reading a book on spiritual warfare. Look, the truth is, we're just going to look at what Scripture says. The truth is, everyone engages in spiritual warfare all the time. It's not always weird devil and demon stuff, but it is almost always related to your mind. And so much of that, that foothold starts in your mind and your thoughts and your memories and your insecurities, your fears, your fantasies, your beliefs. And the good, the good news, and we'll finish with this, the good news behind this is that the battle is already won in Christ. You know, we don't want to get everyone all, you know, sort of queued up to freak out about spiritual warfare. Now we're lo- everyone's looking for a demon behind the next bush. The, the truth is, and scripture attests to this over and over and over again, you know, Ephesians 1 says that far above all principality, the power and the might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come is Jesus. He's above all of this, that he has, that we have victory through Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus has already won the battle. And so we're going to be really practical throughout this series about, about how do we establish those footholds? Well, the answer, the answer is always going to come back to Jesus because Jesus is, like you said, Ross, at the beginning, Jesus is not an equal power to the enemy. Jesus is the creator of all things, and so he is far above every power. Right. We're not, we're not worried about, oh, gosh, who's going to win? You know, it's not, like, it's not like the ball game. You're waiting. It's going to overtime, and it's you know, tied, and who's going to be able to get the win? Because Jesus has already won. The Bible says, in, for, for example, in Colossians chapter 2, it says that, that he's already triumphed over uh, these principalities and powers, over the enemy when he, when he went to the cross. On the cross was his ultimate triumph. And so we're living in that, but we, but we need to learn in the day-to-day, moment-by-moment battle uh, how to reflect that victory or how to appropriate it and live it out for ourselves. Yeah, I take comfort in knowing that the final battle, as Ross just said, it's already won, but even, even the day-to-day battles, God has to allow the devil to attack me to a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. We, I love the story of Job where the devil had to get permission. Or even when Jesus was talking to Peter and he said, look, the devil's asked to sift you like wheat, but basically I'm not going to let him go that far. So even in the day-to-day battle, I can trust in God's sovereignty that, that he's allowing these battles for a reason and for a purpose. It's interesting. I'm actually reading Job right now, John, and it's been so fascinating to read this. And I've always read the first couple chapters of Job, the last couple chapters, kind of the bookends, the the really, you know, kind of the end of the the beginning of the story, the end of the story, because we see that, like you said, that that God allowed Satan to bring this into his life, and then at the end of the story, we see that that Job kind of comes back to this place where he recognizes that God was behind it all, and that God is powerful, and that God is good. God ends up blessing Job at the end of the story. But what's interesting is is all the rest of it, from chapters, I don't know, 2 to 39 or something like that, it really it really is, you get to see the spiritual battle mm-hmm. in, in the mind, because Job has these three friends who are giving him counsel. I think they're right. trying to give him good yeah. counsel. I think mm-hmm. they really are. 
They're trying to figure out what is behind it, what is really going on here. You must have done something wrong, Job, because this the, none of this stuff would have happened. And and so you see the bat. You see you can almost kind of see the the world. You see the battle, the devil at the beginning. Then you see the battle with the world. Mm-hmm. If you think of his friends as this is kind of uh, sort of trying to make sense of what's going on, bringing worldly ideology into it. But then you also see in some of the chapters his battle with himself. He's mm-hmm. second guessing himself and he's hating himself. Mm-hmm. One minute he's at, he wishes he could just die. And really, there's a lot of spiritual warfare. That really is a great book to study along with this series. You get to see all of these elements even in the story of Job. Well, what I'm encouraged that, um, that we get to dive in in more depth to each of these three elements of spiritual warfare in the coming series, because uh, there's so many things that we've left on, uh, you know, off the table today. Uh, but when we get, we're able to get in, it's going to be, I think it's going to be so encouraging. It may seem a little intimidating at first, you know, to shine a little light in the darkness, but it's going to be so encouraging at the end of the day when we realize all of the resources God has given us, and we realize, oh, there, there's some practical things that we can do to experience God's victory in our lives. Yeah, so to find this series, if you want to go through it with your family, with your small group, or a mentor, check out all these resources at pursuegod.org forward slash warfare, and make sure to join us next Friday for lesson two in the series where we're going to talk about what exactly does it mean that that the world is part of our spiritual warfare we'll get into that next week join us then